Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Of course, it protects me. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Before we get into this big season finale episode, last episode of 2021. Oh boy. We got some word snappers words for you. Oh You're probably- boy. <laughs> Bo Harper always submits some great um, tongue twisters, uh-huh. and they're always probably extremely obvious if you're listening to the episode, uh, but you know what? It's so fun to figure out how to work these fuckers in. Uh, <laughs> in this case, those words were Mysterio mistakenly manifested magical mistletoe. Mm-hmm. Love the Christmas They're always reference. like sentences, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I love it. It's so challenging. <laughs> um, and I love the timing of it because yeah. this was the, was the episode that was coming out right before Christmas. So mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. God finally got got us into the Christmas spirit, I guess, for that. Beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. You know what weren't words that people might have mistaken for words was when I was talking about Felicia uh, fel- saying bye, Felicia, to Felicia feelings. That, <laughs> well, that actually was just, that was all you. That was all me. That actually sounds like word snappers words that were submitted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks, Bo, for submitting those words. Those are fabulous, as always. If you would like to also submit words, you can do that by becoming a patron at any level on our Patreon. Uh, it's a game called Walloping Word Snappers, where our patrons can submit five words or less, uh, often a phrase like Bo does, um, that can be anything. So it can be weird uh, or, or random, anything you want, and we have to work them into an episode <laughs> that month. So Indeed. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we've got kind of a big one, I guess, because this is the this is the season ender for the third season of Spider-Man, the animated series. Um, and it's one that I think is pretty well regarded. Like, I think a lot of people tend to rank this as one of their favorite episodes. I did for a long time and probably still do, although there's definitely some present day feelings that make me a little conflicted about it, uh, which I don't know, you can probably guess what those are <laughs> based on conversations that we've had before. What? <laughs> uh, which we'll definitely get into. Sure. Um, I do have some production stuff. It's not, it's not anything relevatory, but always interesting uh, to hear what some of the writers had to say about like these sort of big major well-remembered episodes in particular, John Semper was talking about this episode. Um, he was sort of talking about how obviously this is like this episode owes a lot to the death of Gwen Stacy. Cause we just can't escape having to bring that up on this podcast over right. and over again. Um, so he's talking about it specifically and says, uh, it's an iconic scene in comic book history. Um, and I was lucky enough to be the first to get to bring it to animated life. So I didn't want to blow it. All right. Um, I mean, yeah. you're right. It's iconic. 
It is, yeah. And uh, he said, luckily, by that time, I was having a lot of control over what I got to do to the on the TV screen, so things went pretty smoothly. Um, basically, I just wanted to make that episode as close to the comic book as possible, even with the very obvious changes. Um, so I had to skirt around the issue of death, which we couldn't do on Saturday morning. But beyond that, I wanted to bring the comic book to life verbatim, changing it as little as possible, and I think I did it pretty well. Uh, it was an exciting challenge, and I thought that if I didn't do it, it might never get done right. Um, and I I mean, to, to his credit, no mm-hmm. cartoon has ever really has done an iteration on the death of Gwen Stacy ever again since since this. So you did it the best, John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By default, I guess. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I, I like this episode. I'm not trying to be a shithead. I or do. Anything. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, it's just like we have a lot of we have a lot of feelings that we've dug into so much about yeah. the Gwen Stacy stuff. And it's sort of like. This was 1996, so the women in refrigerators conversation had not happened at, at least like to the extent it had. I'm sure people were talking about it at the time, mm-hmm. um, but not. It wasn't as widespread. Spread. It wasn't a thing that that most people were thinking about, and certainly not a thing I was thinking about. Um, and as we've talked about before, like it's our our reservations about the Gwen Stacy stuff isn't that it's a bad story. It's, it is iconic for a reason. It is mm-hmm. a very good, well-executed yeah. story. So it makes sense that you would want to sort of find ways to 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 emulate that in your yeah. adaptations, right? It totally makes sense. I totally yeah. get it. Patterns um, are problems, not necessarily individual right. entries in that right. pattern. Right. You know, and, and, and really, you know, no, I don't think any Saturday morning cartoons had killed off the major girlfriend for the sake of a hero's character development and a tragic ending. So it is definitely (laughs) pushing boundaries, you know, I would also argue like because so he, he, he mentions John Semper mentions in this because we had to skirt around the issue of death, right? We couldn't do it. I would argue like this feels pretty different simply because like they're not killing her. Like it does. She doesn't end up dead. And so it doesn't necessarily change. Well, okay, I, I'll I'll say it. it does kind of change the impact, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't see her die or anything, so you yeah. at least are left with the possibility of her coming back. Um, yeah. But it, what I guess what I'm getting at is it doesn't change like how well he adapted everything sure. um, to this cartoon, yeah. right? It didn't hinder all that much, but it still feels sort of different than the Gwen Stacy thing because it's not you know a gruesome yeah. sort of uh, death on screen or it is. on page, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. It's different. You know, it's not and it's not what they did in Amazing Spider-Man 2 either. Um, right. So, you know, uh, yeah. It doesn't it's, feel it's, as gross, I guess, is the short way of saying what I was trying to say. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, the, there's still like there's still like the issue, but it's sort of like the door is open in a way that yeah it often isn't um, for these types of stories. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it deals a little less exploitative because it's quick and clean and not violent. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, another, another quote from Jim Krieg, who's uh, one of the, one of the writers of this episode. Uh, he says, turning point was the greatest. John had me reread every classic Lee Romita goblin story. And you could uh, tell, uh, you could absolutely tell. Yeah. I, I referenced this before, but they have every, every, every amazing Spider-Man issue up to that point in a filing cabinet is what they've said. Mm-hmm. said, uh, I wanted to do that and kind of mush it into one awesome episode. It was really fun. I got to write the outline for that one and had, had a hand in the script as well. And of course we had to throw her off the bridge because Gwen <laughs> Stacy's death is probably the most iconic moment in the comic books history. And since we couldn't kill her hurling poor Mary Chain into a parallel dimension was a pretty good alternative. 
She's still there, you know. Even to this day, I'll be driving around minding my own business and think, oh man, MJ is still plummeting through that red cloudy limbo. (laughs) Oh boy. Poor MJ. Poor MJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, funny to think about. Sad think, to think about also. <laughs> what 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 do you think neither one of us claims to be comic book scholars or anything but like mm-hmm. do you th- what 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 compares to to that scene cuz he says, you know, probably most iconic. I I I I guess Spider-Man No More uh is pretty iconic. Uh what modern mm. do you think there's modern stuff that would be considered iconic? How how modern? Do we have iconic Gosh. stuff post 80s? Gosh, I ugh. I don't know really. I mean, maybe, yeah, post-80s especially, because I think some of the Venom stuff is probably iconic to, like, more modern readers, but yeah. that's still the 80s. Um, God, I don't know for the 90s, because, like... And iconic it, isn't a statement on quality, by right, the way, I like think I want to point out, because, like, we're huge Miles fans, but I don't think it's easy to claim anything that, that they incorporate Miles into is iconic, even though it's really good. Right. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question because I guess like, is it because of the way pop, because there's like the way that pop culture has changed maybe because there's so much, because mm-hmm. there's so many comics out there now. Yeah. Um, And I think at the time it's sort of like, it was a lot easier to just sort of distill like to be reading Spider-Man and there hadn't been that much history behind it. Yeah. If you were um, into comics, you were probably reading this or were talking to your friends about it. Right. And there's just always so much happening at any given time since from the 90s onward that, mm-hmm. like, I think it's harder to really latch on to those moments. You know, like, I think in comics in general, maybe there's, like, Death of Superman, right? Like, I think there's sure. stuff like that maybe. It was but 90s? Was that 90s? That was, ni- that was, like, early 90s. So even then, I was still, like, 93. So, mm-hmm. like, once you once the, once the internet comes into play, I think, I think that changes things, you know? Because the conversation is different. Adaptations are, are different. Um, so people aren't really looking to comic stories in the same way that they are, and they're not making the same impact on like the general pop culture in the mm-hmm. way that hmm. comics were doing at the time. Yeah. yeah. All good points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh let's start talking about this episode because yeah. there's plenty to talk about. Like we've said before, the series is currently available on Disney Plus. You can purchase it on other digital platforms, and this is also, of course, the last episode on the Return of the Green Goblin DVD if you want to own it physically. Yes. The episode we're talking about is Spider-Man the Animated Series, season three, episode 14, entitled The Sins of the Fathers, Chapter 14, Turning Point. And you have a fun fact about this one, huh? Yeah, I think this is kind of fun. So um, the this episode's title, I'm pre- I'll stop because most of the time the titles of this show are pretty basic. Like it's like the return of the green, go- well, night. No, that, the, the spot. The <laughs> spot, yeah. Hobgoblin. Craven the Hunter. Um, this one is interesting <laughs> because it's, it's not referencing the title of a comic. It's referencing the big words that were used on the cover of the Amazing Spider-Man 121, which is the issue, I think, either the issue that Gwen dies in or the issue after that. I don't remember which. But it's it. The, so the title comes from just icon, an iconic, the words on an iconic cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also works really well for this episode because this episode is called out by Madam Web as like, this is the point of no return for you, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, by ending our relationship. If you do that, there is no turning back. So it is literally the turning point for this series and for Spider-Man's journey 
and for his relationship with Madam Web, which has been this ongoing uh, storyline, which I think is really cool that they sort of tie all that together in this one title that is also a reference to the comic that they're adapting, yeah. but not just the title of the comic, which also would have been easy. Yeah. So Incredible yeah. use of a reference. Yeah. Well, the synopsis per IMDb for this episode is the Green Goblin has found out Spider-Man's true identity. Now he's after Mary Jane, Peter's girlfriend. If you didn't know who she was. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the original air date for this episode was November 23rd, 1996. It was written by Marty Eisenberg and Jim Krieg, both of whom we've talked about pretty recently. So y'all know who they are by this point. Yes. And it is a season finale. So it would be weird, especially on a show like this, to introduce new characters. So these are all pieces on the board. Characters highlighted in the synopsis. Pretty much characters highlighted uh, exclusively in this episode. So we can dive Right in. Yep. So the episode opens with Spider-Man in Madam Web's dimension where he tells her and the battle she's been warning about entirely off. Basically like everything's perfect. My life is great. I don't want you in my life anymore because you're annoying. So get the hell out, which is the worst thing you could ever possibly say if you don't want to get yourself jinxed. But yeah, dumbass. <laughs> also funny that he's just like telling off this like yeah. godly reality bending person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, dumbass. <laughs> well, at Oscorp, we get a couple scenes that sort of set up a few things that that are resolved here. So uh, we get the Madam Web scene, but then we cut right to Oscorp, where Norman is working on fixing and modifying, is he though? The time dilation accelerator uh, to be smaller. Is it though? And Green Goblin <laughs> encourages him, reminding that the accelerator will allow him to topple Norman's enemies. Here's the thing. I think you were referencing some of this yes, last week. Absolutely. He specifically says that he is modifying this thing to be smaller, but I'm pretty sure it's bigger than it was yes. last week. It looks different, and now and it's strapped it, to mm -hmm. his chest, but it's definitely bigger. Spider-Man even says he's miniaturized it later on. So, like, It's not even mini. Yeah. It makes me wonder like, if in the writing process... This maybe was written before last week's episode or something like that. And mm. what this is actually referencing is the general technology That's that what Owen I think was working too. on. And then when they yeah. when they got around to actually like designing and animating last week's episode, it was sort of incidental and maybe lost in the details yeah. that this device they're referencing here actually needed to be significantly different the week before. Yeah, I'm wondering if like it was meant because because in the spot episode, he's in a lab with a bunch of machines. Right. Right. And I wonder if maybe it's sort of like the time dilation accelerator device was meant to more just be like a remote that was connected to those machines or something like that. And then this mm -hmm. is sort of like, no, let's condense all of those machines into one machine that you can carry with you and you don't need it connected or sending a signal anywhere else in any yeah. lab. Because um, it doesn't it, act differently either than it did yeah. last week. Like it doesn't do anything differently. Yeah. Yeah, so. very weird. Definitely seems like a mm -hmm. weird mistake. <laughs> I think, well, I think, I think last week was actually the mistake, probably. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. It, I guess it depends on the order of operations. Because, like, theoretically, yeah. you could have changed the dialogue here. But I don't know. Whatever. It's weird. It's a weird line. It doesn't really matter that much. Ultimately, like you said, he's now got it strapped onto him, uh, glued it to a harness, and called it a day. Um, <laughs> right. So Norman asks, so this is, this episode is going to deal with the Norman and Green Goblin talking to each other thing a lot. Like I said last week, if you're familiar with Green Goblin, you'll probably have no trouble following us. So Norman asks Goblin about Spider-Man because he knows that 
Spider-Man is aware of the connection between Norman and Goblin and the Goblin persona side of things says that that knowledge will actually cost Spider-Man dearly. So basically he's like, we'll kill him. Right. So Green Goblin opens a portal and just pops right out in front of an armored vehicle. I love how quickly this episode just like just Mm -hmm. jump starts just right off the bat. So after he blows up the back of the truck and starts taking money, Goblin remarks to himself that like, God, I'm blowing shit up. Stealing money in the middle of the road. Why isn't Spider-Man here yet? He should, he's, he's here usually quickly. He should be here any second, right? And guess what? Spider-Man shows up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So this was all part of his plan. He literally is just trying to attract Spider-Man. Goblin tosses a bomb at Spidey and flies right on off. Oh, yes. And this yeah. works very well because, of course, Spider-Man's like, well, where is he going? I better go find him. And yeah. luckily, he knows exactly who Goblin is. So he's like, I know everywhere to check. So this will be easy peasy. No need for me to rush. He can go wherever. I'll find him. Um, he doesn't, though. <laughs> he searches everywhere he thinks Norman should be, like Norman's home, Oscorp, other places, probably. <laughs> I guess um, so. <laughs> Where else would Norman Osborne hang out? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the news station occasionally, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. He's confused when he doesn't find Goblin, though, obviously. Yeah. This is cool, though, because as it mm-hmm. turns out... Goblin's been keeping tabs on Spider-Man mm-hmm. and he's he follows him to a point basically to the point where Spider-Man's like I don't know where he is and then starts using the portals to pop in and out basically around Spider-Man but out of Spider-Man's line of sight so that yeah. Spider-Man's spider sense keeps going off but he doesn't see anything. Yeah. And what's cool and the thing that I don't think Norman even knows is that Spider-Man has had experience with his Spider-Sense being wonky before. Mm -hmm. So Spider-Man doesn't immediately think like, oh, someone's messing with me. He thinks, oh shit, this thing's happening to me again. I hope it's not as bad as last time. References his mutation disease Mm -hmm. again, which a great bit of continuity and yeah, very smart. I, I really I dig this because, you know, I know I know the like this episode is so owes so much to the comics, like it's pulling so directly um, in so many ways, uh, which which is kind of fun. Um, and then I, I so I know in the comics, it's sort of like a gas thing that like erases Peter spider sense. And I love that their their version of doing this is like still integrated with all of the portal stuff that is very important to how the mechanics of this entire episode works. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's, it's such a it's such an intelligent use of this technology that they created as like what was ostensibly created as a plot device to like kill off characters without killing them off. Like they, they, they really justify the importance of it in this world and like use it like to the greatest effect. I feel like in this episode. Oh yeah. They marry those sixties comics with what they're doing here very well. Yeah. It's, it's really, they have no business making these two unrelated things work so well together. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really I think that's one of the things I really like about this episode is that it really does like distill the best green green goblin stuff into one like 22 minute episode that just like, oh, yeah, green goblin absolutely fucks. I get it. OK. Um, and, and this is maybe end of the episode point, but like the pacing is good for the the pacing last week. Really, really is. good pacing this week. Really good. Really good. Yeah, I, f- one, I fully, fully agree. Yeah. That was definitely, that was a note that I had too. Like, it's a really good, I mean, like I said, this episode just kind of starts off. Um, I think it does, it's, it does a good job of sort of 
picking up more or less where the last one left off, but still sort of establishing a different kind of vibe and different type sorts of stakes, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the Madam Web stuff. But there's still like this sense of dread throughout it that I think is really compelling and not often present in this show where mm-hmm. it's like you can tell her off the bat, Peter Parker saying his life is perfect, casting off Madam Web, cutting right to Norman Osborn and Green Goblin doing their stuff and making plans. It's like, this doesn't feel good. Something's going to go wrong. You know, even if you don't know where it's going, it's like, this feels like there's something that's going to go very badly in this episode. And that, and that, that feeling never really escapes it throughout it. No, it's good. Mm hmm. Well, having searched everywhere he can think of and needing to make a date with Mary Jane at the coffee bean, Spider-Man is basically like, all right, I can't search anymore. So he finds an alley, takes his suit off, changes back into his Peter clothes. Unfortunately, he's doing this as Goblin watches on in a portal. (laughs) So Goblin sees who this is. He waits long enough for Peter to turn around. The Norman side of Green Goblin is like, wait a second, I know this guy. That's one of Harry's friends. And then the Goblin side of him is sort of like, oh, well, clearly he was using your son to get to you. So, yeah. you know, that's pretty bad, right, Norman? <laughs> I love I, I love that. I think it's really intelligent and like in character, the sort of like rationalization of Peter's yes. actions throughout the entire season, you know, and, and it's such a great way to like sort of loop in the, uh, the soap opera threads of the season, right? Like mm-hmm. it's been so frustrating how shitty Harry has been to Peter and some of the sort of like Peter stealing Mary Jane away from Harry stuff is sort of like, uh, but it's like, Oh yeah, because you're sort of setting up, setting up this, uh, what, you know, what to Norman, he'd only be getting Harry's side of things. So to Norman, it's, he's only ever going to be hearing that like, Oh yeah, my son is really upset because his best friend stole his girlfriend away from him. And now that's going to help him rationalize hating Peter as much as he hates Spider-Man. It's really good. Yeah. Goblin (laughs) a number of times, like the goblin persona does such a, they do such a good job having him manipulate Norman into believing normal things are bad things for him right like threats to him um it's really really clever and it's an interesting thing for them to you know we we talked a little bit about like the the sort of mental health implications here that you know maybe uh are less favorable but as far as like trying to personify a sort of inner saboteur or like what even just not necessarily like the stereotypical inaccurate representation of schizophrenia that this kind of implies, but even just Mm -hmm. like mental health conditions like depression or anxiety, where like you're convincing yourself of things that aren't necessarily true that often end up being like Mm -hmm. negative. Like that's kind of what he's doing. It's sort of a representation of like one part of his brain saying like they're out to get you, you know? Yeah. And then the other side of his brain who's, who's been manipulated and sort of suppressed being like, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And it's, no one's around really, to challenge it, you know? Yeah, that's really fascinating stuff that you can do with Green Goblin if you play up this type of thing with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff where it's sort of like, again, it. I you can read it as sort I think that there's arguments about this sort of portrayal being a little bit irresponsible and stuff, but I think that there's a lot of really, really, uh, really fascinating and I think valuable yeah. stuff that you can pull from it 
still. It's unfortunate because I think if there hadn't, if there wasn't that way, I talked about patterns earlier. I think if there wasn't such a prominent pattern of people misrepresenting, mislabeling, uh, or using incorrectly the label of schizophrenia and like split yeah. personalities and stuff like that. And demonizing it a lot and de- too. Oh, like making it a for villain, sure. a villain yeah. trait essentially. Yeah. Uh, I, this actually would be a clever personification of just general sort of mental health sabotage you know, sabotaging. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately the pattern exists. So yeah. you know, it's, it's part of a long, long history. Yeah. It's same, same thing with the Mary Jane stuff at the end of this. It's yep. all, it's like this episode in a vacuum, I think is, is very, very good. But then, you know, just in the context of uh patterns throughout history, yeah. that's when it sort of becomes a, a little bit of an issue that I yeah. think you can't not have to. Yeah. You got to at least acknowledge, like acknowledge it. Right. At the yeah. Very, 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 very least. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So at the coffee bean, Liz and MJ are talking about MJ's relationship with Peter and also her previous relationship with Harry. <laughs> um, I, I like I, I like how down to earth Mary Jane is about all this. It's just like Harry uh-huh. thinks I betrayed him. And obviously that's not what happened, but that's made things very awkward. Mm-hmm. And Liz is like. Oh, I feel sorry for him. And I'm like, no, Liz, run, run as fast as you can. Don't even, don't even think about going down that road, girl. Please Mm -hmm. stay far, far away. (laughs) Run, Mary, run. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, before, before, uh, unfortunately, before Mary Jane can convince Liz to stay far away from Harry, Peter shows up. And so, uh, you know, they, uh, they have a little chat. Um, that's, I think, when you – I think you referenced it last week, but hmm. that's when Peter's like, am I that late? And Mary Jane's like, yeah, but oh, it's one yeah. of your little idiosyncrasies I've come to love. I love that you can't make an appointment with me. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, but, yeah, so she reminds Peter that uh, that Harry Bur- Harry's birthday party is that very evening – and Peter's like, oh, I completely forgot. Like, of course. Um, Which, by the way, like, <laughs> Peter, you've literally called this person your best friend. It's yeah. kind of shitty for you to not remember that he's having a birthday party right. that you were invited to. I mean, we find out a yeah. little bit more about that, but you were invited to this. Yeah, that should be something that that you very explicitly remember because it is... It is it is weird that Harry, who has been so shitty to you, would still invite you to yes. his birthday party. That would be a thing that you would remember, I feel like. Right. So. I'm not, like, great at remembering birthdays or anything. That's not even what I mean. Just, like, the fact that he invited you to a birthday party, your best friend, and yeah. you can't in, remember it? Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. And in spite Maybe of everything that's going friend. on. you're the bad friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously like Peter's kind of hesitant about it because things are so weird and awkward with Harry right now, which yeah, fair agree. But you know, Mary Jane's like, yeah, but we were invited. And Peter actually realizes like, actually it would be a good opportunity to keep an eye on Norman while also being able to, you know, keep up with my social obligations at the same time. So kill two birds with one stone, I guess. Right. Yeah. Not to like, you know, begin to make good with Harry or anything, just to spy on his dad. Although, should he make good with Harry? Because Harry has been pretty awful. So No, I'm not saying he should. <laughs> but, you know, Harry thinks he's a shitty friend for reasons that aren't valid. But I don't know that that means Peter has to lean into being a bad friend. <laughs> that's, fa- that's fair. Yeah, he could still, he could still make an attempt to, uh, yeah. to, to build the bridge. That, yeah. That's fair. That's very fair. Well, at the party, Flash, who's there, 
I actually I actually really like this moment. Flash Mm -hmm. claims that Peter showing up is actually in bad taste. And Uh, I think the reason I like it is because Flash is pointing something out that is sort of a social faux pas, but he's not necessarily affirming the fact that Harry claims Peter stole MJ or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. He's just sort of like, isn't it maybe a little inconsiderate for you to be here? He says it in a Flash way, but he's not he's not treating MJ like property the way that Harry does. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, his, I don't even know if he's even talking to Mary Jane. He's talking explicitly to Peter, I think. Right. Yeah. No, he's, um, he's talking explicitly to Peter for sure. Yeah, Which I think is, I, I also think is poor. It's like, it's not a problem for Mary Jane to be here, but it is a weird thing for Peter to be here. Given that Harry hates you right now. Right. Right. <laughs> like yeah. he's not saying Harry's right, but he is acknowledging like Harry. It's weird. It's weird that you're showing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Harry's Um, just going to be hateful to you. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, he is when Harry shows up and Peter, Peter and MJ are trying to make nice with him. And Harry in his very hairy way is just like, Hey friend, I only invited you because my dad insisted. Uh, Cool. 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 Horrible. But I mean, I guess it's good. You said that it's weird. You said that, but I guess it's good. You said that it's also, what's even better is that like, the, he, the way he's animated, he's like smirking the entire time. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. I just like, really want you to know, and I'm going to love saying this, I didn't even want to invite you. Yeah. Bitch. Like. <laughs> wow. Wow. God, things are not great between them. Peter, get out, buddy. Just leave. This is not worth it. <laughs> they just need to fight. You know, just yeah, uh, just yeah. go down to the basement of Midtown where the the boxing ring is and just box it out like they used to. Yeah, sure. That's what Flash and Peter did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of the Spider-Man 2 moment where James Franco, Harry, just like smacks him a bunch oh, <laughs> in front of people. <laughs> that Oof. would be fun. That would be very fun. Although I would like it less from this Harry than yeah. I do from James Franco's Harry. Because Peter absolutely does not deserve it in this case. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So right on cue, Norman shows up and is being fucking weird. So, it's so weird. Funny. It is so funny. I will say I want to I want to shout out uh, that 90s Spider-Man show. We've had Jack on our podcast before from mm-hmm. that podcast. They did a really good compilation that I think went kind of viral re- went back when they were covering the season mm-hmm. this episode. And, and it's just a compilation of all of Norman's fucking weirdest lines and line readings Amazing. Uh, from this whole party scene. And it's just like, good God. <laughs> it's sort of like if you are, if you are a civilian a par- just a regular party goer at this party and don't know oh my god anything about these characters this shit like has to be the weirdest stuff in the world because everything that they're saying is full of like full of like heavy loaded like weighted metaphor and innuendo and like and like weird references and nothing they say makes any sense mm. to each other it's oh my so god good. especially when they get like just to the next scene or whatever it is <laughs> what it's the so fuck i would be so uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable so first peter or norman shows up with like the creepiest ass grin shaking peter's hand is like it's so glad to see i'm so happy you're here peter like crushes his hand mm-hmm. like which peter is like if i didn't have my spider strength he would have literally broken all of my bones in my hand yep and he's sort of wondering like does he know that i'm spider-man like how would he 
know that, but also like, why is he acting so fucking weird right now? Yeah. And there's like a whole, like eventually they're like at the dinner table and this whole sequence. And it's, it's fun because it's sort of like Norman, uh, Peter, MJ, Harry, and then like flash and Deborah. And then some side characters are all there. And so it's like, this weird combination of characters and Norman is just sitting there like, so Peter, you and Mary Jane must have been conspiring to get together for some time. And it's like, everybody else is like, weren't Harry and Mary Jane dating? Like, why is Harry's dad (laughs) bringing this up in front of us? Like, (laughs) Oh gosh. Doesn't it feel like a little bit, I mean, he's, there's no need to explain why he's doing what he's doing. It's very clear. Yeah. But doesn't it feel like he should be tipsy in this moment, too? Like, doesn't it feel like it would be so perfect? Like, if you were to adapt this scene to live action, he would be just slightly tipsy. Like, he wanted to bring it up, but maybe he wouldn't have brought it up in this exact way in such a public setting. (laughs) Yeah, actually, you know what? The vibes are of, like... Uh-huh. Those those sequences from movies where like somebody gets way too drunk at a wedding and then like gives a speech that ends up like humiliating everyone <laughs> and like revealing all the bride and groom secrets. Looking like, at you, Kirsten. And I almost said Kirsten Dunst. Kristen Wig. Yes, it is like one hundred percent that vibe, <laughs> except like more sinister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And then like it's even weirder. Like there's not even after a while there, the sort of like blanket like pretending that it's like party small talk stuff mm-hmm. with just like a weird vibe to it. It's just completely gone because then Norman's like, Peter and I have a secret we'd like to share. Perhaps we'll share our secret after dessert. And like, people are just like, how oh, interesting. <laughs> I love like Deborah's reaction is like, Oh, interesting. So what is the secret you have to say? Like Deborah, y'all no, girl. this is fucking bizarre. <laughs> Deborah, don't, doing? don't, don't encourage him. <laughs> Deborah, not a friend. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do like Mary Jane's like, what is he talking about? Yeah. He was just like, I haven't the slightest clue what's happening right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never felt so bad for Peter in this yeah. series. And he's gone through shit. This is yeah. like I just and part of it is just the 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 secondhand embarrassment, I think. Yeah, it's humiliating. It's just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like humiliating. Ugh. And he's in this weird position where like he's been, he's, this is all happening so fast for him. And like, how the fuck do you react? It's already in an awkward position because he's at the birthday party of a friend who hates him uh-huh. <laughs> with, with his dad, who is a supervillain. Yeah. And like not really knowing any of the f- information of what's going on being thrown at him. And he's basically trapped here. What I like about it too, is that he puts the pieces together and is just like, mm-hmm. no, I fully get that he knows that I'm Spider-Man. So I don't know how, mm-hmm. but I have to fully accept that he knows that I'm Spider-Man and I have to do something about this right now. It's mild. It's like mild Michael Keaton, Tom Holland vibes. Mm. Like that same sort of uncomfortable, yeah. like, oh, it's like a standoff a little bit. But yeah. like Peter is not in a power position. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's that's a big that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Peter's in a weird position of like not of not being in power at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that makes it like you feel for him a lot more because it's like, what do you do? absolutely what do you do in that situation and like he does i think not what he does this this i felt so i felt for him but i was like oh my god peter this is your solution (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) yeah i mean his first instinct i think is correct just to be like um i need to go excuse me for a moment it just leaves so he can at least like clear his head and get out of the situation totally that part totally 
Yeah, but yeah, but then what he decides to do <laughs> is like he goes into the other room where the fireplace is nearby. So he's like, what, <laughs> what if I use one of my web cartridges, which has like a bunch of chemicals in it that condensed heated, chemicals condensed chemicals under pressure <laughs> which if heated will fucking explode in a house bro starting a f- i mean i guess okay i guess it doesn't start a fire no i don't think and it theoretically just a lot it of wouldn't because it would be a big explosion of web fluid right so i think like in th- in all fairness, it's like a thing that's scary but wouldn't actually be harmful because it's just creating a lot of smoke, which gives the illusion that he started a fire, which is still going to get people out of the room and out of the building without them probably – without them actually being in actual danger of dying. So it's not the worst thing he could do. It's still a fucking wild course of action to be like, oh, excuse me for a moment. I'm back. Explosion. Right. Because then the other thing, too, is that, like, it's very obvious that he did something because he left, comes back, says, um, like, sorry, I felt a little ill for a moment. To which Norman says, only a little. (laughs) Fucking great. It's so fucking weird. And again, nobody reacts. It's just like, anyway, about the secret. And then an explosion happens. So it's like, obviously, Peter did that yeah. to cover up his secret. But we just kind of have to ignore that because no one comments on yeah. it. Everyone's ever. curious and stupid. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, I love this episode to death. I think it is an extremely good episode of television. It's so stupid. This is so stupid. The explosion is a little <laughs> bit stupid. A little bit stupid. <laughs> Everything is great, but that's a little stupid. <laughs> I love the drama that it creates. Oh, yeah. I love that it lets like these great set piece with smoke happening is good. That's all good stuff. But you know, the lead up to that is a little iffy. Well, it also (laughs) allows for this next moment, which I do like, I mean, it's, it's, it's only possible because Peter did this stupid thing, but everybody does go outside. Like he evacuates the mansion basically. And the only person who doesn't get out is Norman. And Peter knows why Norman doesn't leave essentially. Right. And so Peter's like, Oh, well I got to go back in there and help Norman. But really all he's doing is like, I now have my moment alone with Green Goblin or Norman or yeah. whatever. Like, you know, it's it's it looks stupid to everybody outside for him to run into a presumably burning building. Um, but he has a perfect excuse to run back in and confront Norman. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. I did like that that little detail of it. Yeah, um, I agree. And he does find Green Goblin. Like in, in the time that they left, Norman uh, suited up. And Goblin confirms that he does know Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Peter is not suited up, and he calls Peter Spider-Man. Uh, and then he attacks Peter. So they end up in the backyard. This had me so hype because this... Oh, it's so good. It's it's so good. It's a reference to, like, no surprise, they mentioned that they were doing this. It was a reference to comic book stuff that I absolutely loved. Yeah. Um, so they end up in the backyard of Norman's mansion. Yeah. And can I just mention... Yeah. They have a fun, <laughs> Peter has a fun little line where he's like, good thing no one can see us here in the backyard as like bombs, as bombs are exploding. Like, yeah, I'm sure they could hear you, but it's fine. There's a big like, mansion. I, yeah. I honestly <laughs> would have wished they just didn't even comment on it and just let them fight because the fight is so yeah, good. It is. Um, the fight amongst the trees while Peter is still in his tuxedo. Uh-huh. Like, great. And so he basically just sort of avoiding, av- avoiding the goblin right now because he's not full Spider-Man and they gradually start like creating tatters and tears mm-hmm. in his tux so like there's there's a point when he's in his tux but there's still like bits of his spider-man suit uh exposed which is just such a cool visual love it it's uh it's so good it's great it's great it they they, they took all the best pieces of this stuff from the comics and and put mm-hmm. it into a great sequence yeah um yeah 
and, and it turns out he's not wearing his web shooters, which, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> buddy. Yeah, he's like actually doing the finger motion and it has to be like, uh-huh. there's no web coming out. Whoops, yeah. I'm not wearing my web shooters. Yeah. Like, well, I, yeah. I thought he straight up didn't bring them at first. And I was like, oh my God, dude. Yeah. You knew where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> but he just doesn't have them on because in this show, they're huge. Um, yeah. So Green Goblin, because Peter doesn't, or because, yeah, Peter doesn't have his web shooters, is able to restrain him very quickly with a super strong metal cord, which is a very, very direct reference to to the comics, which I I love love that. I wouldn't be surprised if they ripped specifically Peter's reaction to it. It must Mm -hmm. be some sort of super strong cord. I can't break through it. it. Super strong metal specifically. I think it's a, yeah, Uh it feels like a very comic book line. It's very, yeah, it's very specific. Um, yeah. and, and Goblin, I just, I just, the animation in this whole thing, there's so many little details that I love because this episode is extremely beautiful looking. This is yeah. like Hydro Man level. I feel like with the, with the animation, it's very good. And there's, so there's little bits, little flourishes that they do with the characters. Like Goblin spins his gun real quick before he shoots out the metal rope. Um, just, it was I, it's just a cute little detail. And then I also love the details is when Peter gets hitched up to the back of the glider with the super strong metal he gets lifted up and before he gets flown into the sky, like he hits into a tree <laughs> real quick and it's like leaves fly out of it. It's just like little flourishes like that, that the show often can't do because of its sort of constraints. But when they put all the money into the animation and they had get the best people on it, it's just like, there's, it's very rich in detail uh, and, and character moments. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's really, really good. And so, so like you said, green goblin hitches Peter up to the back of the glider um, and flies him around uh, with Peter in tow, face fully exposed, like tattered <laughs> up, tuxedo, uh, no mask whatsoever, just hanging mm-hmm. off the back of the glider. Uh, again, very striking stuff from the comics done very well yep. here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right out of the comics. Perfect. So, you know, he kind of acknowledges his vulnerability at the hands of Green Goblin in the state. Um, and that's when he reflects on Madam Webb's, Madam Webb's earlier warning in which she mentioned a monster with two heads. Realizing that Green Goblin and Norman are the monster, one being with two identities, and he has now struck. Oh, no. Madam Web was right. Who could have foreseen that? Yeah. Oh, weird. It's almost like that's happened like <laughs> 16 different times in this season. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't need you in my life. You've mm-hmm. never helped me before, lady, who can bend reality and transcend time and space. You dingus. <laughs> God. He just is that annoyed with her. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, he hates her so much. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, Lillian, and Douglas. If you would like to support our show, too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. 
You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, luckily for Peter, uh, Green Goblin is very proud of what he's pulled off here. So he's congratulating himself as they fly around. He villain monologues a whole bunch and decides that the fitting way uh, to dispose of Spider-Man would be to throw him off of the the George Washington Bridge, I think is probably what it's meant to be. Cause it's it's not, probably supposed to it's be not that, Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, and he's taking a lot of time, right? He's, he, wants, he wants it to be a very specific way uh, that he disposes of Spider-Man. This just gives Spider-Man time, though. So Peter uses this time to finagle one of his web shooters out of his pocket, uh, which I guess is where it was. And when they arrive, he's able to web on to the bridge, which, of course, throws off, you know, the balance of the glider and Goblin ends up crashing and falling onto the top of one of the bridge's arches. So Peter has a fighting chance here. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So using this is the coolest shit in the world. This is so fucking cool. So it is physically impossible. It would not actually be a thing that ever works uh-huh. i don't give a shit this is the coolest fucking thing in the world coolest image i have never forgotten this image from my wow. childhood always remembered it wow using the gliders jets peter like gets right up close to the fire he's like i can't be a millimeter off and it melts off his restraints and as it melts off the metal it also like shreds his entire tuxedo off of him exposing his entire spider-man suit so all he has to do is like stick his mask on and leap and fucking tackle the goblin it's so fucking cool again not physically possible and it's a thing that i don't think you could pull off in live action i think it would look silly i think it's a thing you really can only do in animation because obviously it's already like suspension of disbelief because none of it's yeah because it's all cartoons but it looks i just i can't emphasize how fucking cool that image is (laughs) it's so funny because like i don't know why i didn't like just put the the two things together in a moment so when when the next thing was about to come up and you said it was the coolest thing you'd ever seen i was only thinking of him burning off the restraints and i was like that's the coolest thing you've ever seen like not thinking of the other half of it (laughs) yeah I love it. Favorite moment in this whole goddamn show. It's wow. so cool. Wow. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. I decided that a long time ago. I support you. Yeah. It is very cool, though. It is not to say it is not cool. It is very cool. Yeah. Watch that thing over and over again. Anyway. That's great. So, yeah, like you said, he's suited up and he's he's launching himself at Goblin. So they do fight for a little bit. And and Goblin, of course, is armed with this time dilation accelerator, so he's gonna use it. Um, Any comments that well, Spider Man, you visited me at my home, so I think it's only uh, fair and appropriate that I visit you at yours. And we all know that means he's probably going after Aunt May. Of course. (laughs) So he opens up a portal and disappears. Uh, The portal closes before Peter can follow him. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah. So Spidey, you know, freaking out because he's like, he could be there in microseconds. Um, he, he swings over to, fo- he, he could. I think that <laughs> I it's it's weird, but I, I guess like we've sort of said that like time seems to work kind of be kind of wonky with these portals and stuff. And 
I think by the end of the episode, like the machine's sort of malfunctioning or low on power or something or other. So like you could argue that maybe well, the lower the battery drains, the longer it takes to actually like come out of the portal on the other end or something. Maybe. Well, that all makes sense. I think that that's fair. But Goblin also has been fucking with Peter. Like Ooh, Green Goblin, true. like even in the comics stories that these are inspired by, Green Goblin part of the reason that Peter was even able to find his web shooter in his pocket is because Green Goblin had a very specific plan to not just kill Spider-Man, but to expose him and humiliate him, right? So I yeah. think it's just as believable. I mean, it, it could be that the thing is malfunctioning. It's also just as believable that Green Goblin planned the entire time to arrive after Peter got there. Yeah, or he was like Just to waiting, fuck with him. Waiting outside the house, just watching yeah. Spider-Man swing in and be like, all right, three, two, one, now let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think it works both ways. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's fun. I never thought of it like that, but I kind of dig that. Because that was my um, first reaction. I was like, how the fuck did he show up so late? And then yeah. I, I, I just ended up chalking it up to like, well, he doesn't do what we think he's going to do here anyway, so he's clearly just messing with him. That's true. Yeah, because what happens is Peter Peter gets to to, to his house. Um, Aunt May's there. She's sleeping unharmed, and he's sort of relieved for a second until Goblin does pop in uh, after that through his portal. He's like, oh, she's sleeping so sleepily. Sleeping so sleepily? What the hell? <laughs> Whatever. She's sleeping so peacefully. And I guess... Maybe I'd rather visit one of your other co-conspirators. It just pops right back out in the mm-hmm. portal. Um, it's funny. Aunt May takes a very long time to wake up. All this noise is happening, and she doesn't wake up until the goblin leaves. And then she's like, who's there? Um, and is, a this, cute little- is this the same show where she drugged Peter to go to sleep? No, 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 no. That was the 60s show. Okay. Okay. That was the witch. That was the witch. That's anime. right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I mean, she does have a history. <laughs> yeah. The people who have not listened to her coverage of the 60s show, which you should, it was fucking fun. Yeah. It was would really be fun. like, what the hell are they talking about? Aunt May was a witch in that show? Yeah. There's a teaser for the 60s show. There's a witch and Aunt, uh, Aunt May drugs Peter. Um, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she awakens. I, it's a cute, we have a nice little moment where Peter like kind of takes his mask, mask off in the dark and like kind of calms her down and it's like. Uh, it was just, you know, it's fine. It was just a nightmare. You're fine. She's like, oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love you, my sweet nephew. And that's our last Aunt May appearance of the season. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, boy. Was I was I ever worried? Uh, because I didn't remember, like, the details of what they were pulling from a referencing. So I was like, we've seen some Aunt May Green Goblin stuff that's been pretty horrific in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they could have been doing the, the Deliver Us mm-hmm. from the movie, from the Amy movie. Yeah. <laughs> but not that. So uh, Spider-Man does recognize that Goblin's specific use of co-conspirator is a refer- like is hearkening back to what he said at the dinner party about MJ and him conspiring against Harry. So he's like, oh, shoot, he means mary jane that's where he's going so he begins to flip his way over to the watson's home which is notably not next door (laughs) yeah i don't think i ever realized that or is that just different for this episode i think that maybe it's never been next door and we just sort of like have assumed that because it has been in so many other iterations but i don't think they've ever actually established that here well i'm glad they didn't because this this works a little bit better with her being you know a block or so away sure Um, yeah so so he flips over to the watson's home um, there was, it's worth noting, there was a scene that we didn't really call out because we hate Anna Watson so much. <laughs> uh, there was a scene that established that Mary Jane is at Anna's house and that they've been talking. Oh, really, yeah. all it does is it reaffirms the idea that Mary Jane does truly love Peter. Yes. Um, despite 
everything that they've kind of gone through and all the weird shit that they've endured together. Anna just shits all over Peter const- like yeah. again. Yeah. Um, and Mary Jane kind of has like a slight reaction to be like, no. So it's like good that it's there. Yeah. Um, I do like the, the quick explanation too, where, you know, she's sort of casually telling Aunt Anna about this bizarre ass birthday party with an explosion. That oh two yeah. People just disappeared. In. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, you know, we figured Peter just took Norman to yeah. a doctor. It's just weird that he wouldn't call. And it's yeah. like, should you be like a little bit more freaked out about all this? Yeah. <laughs> But all right. Yeah, that is the better Chill. part of it for sure. That's that's totally true. But it, but it 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 does establish like that's where Mary Jane is, right? So we got mm-hmm. that conversation. It's good. It reaffirms yeah. stuff we already heard about. Yeah. Get a little Aunt Anna moment and and the fun the fun recap moment. But yeah. ultimately, he's he's gonna see where Mary Jane is. Try to save her. So unfortunately, yeah. he arrives after Green Goblin has already shown up this time and watches as Goblin taunts him outside uh, with MJ in his arms and ultimately flies off. Yeah, yeah. He threw in a knockout gas grenade into there. So if you wanted to, you know, see Aunt Anna have something bad happen to her in this show after after a whole season of her being shitty, she gets she passes out because of goblin gas, at least. So yeah. there you go. She sure does. <laughs> and guess who's there to check on her? Peter. Yeah, she's. <laughs> and she'll never even know. Yeah. So despite his certainty that the Green Goblin is leading him to a trap, Spider-Man follows him back to the George Washington Bridge because what else is he going to do? He's got an unconscious Mary Jane with him, right? Mm -hmm. So atop one of the arches, the two talk. Spidey calls Green Goblin Norman and Norman, uh, no, not Norman, Goblin specifically rejects it. Uh, Spidey claims that Goblin is about to hurt the only person that Harry cares about. And Norman kind of like comes out. Uh, of the persona and sort of takes over and he's sort of like, no, 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 no. That's not the only person Harry cares about because Mary Jane and Peter plotted to hurt Harry. And Spidey insists that like, no, no, we're Harry. Mary Jane and Peter are Harry's friends. We're not his enemies. And Norman is sort of struggling. And it's sort of interesting because like, it's sort of like with having the green goblin as part of his personality, like the sort of Norman side of things is like sort of almost infantilized a lot oh like even yeah even more so than before it's sort of like the longer goblin is in control the more like childlike norman becomes and um it's like yeah i think it's it's around here when he's just like no nobody else but the goblin loves me everybody hates me Mm -hmm. and it's like he's just he's becoming more and more simple and i think that's really interesting um and i feel like it's almost kind of distinct from how I feel like I've seen the split personality goblin in other iterations too. Cause it makes, I think it makes like the sort of codependency between the two more clear. Yeah. Um, like the more, the more powerful goblin gets, the more Norman is just like, but I can't live without him. Mm-hmm. Like I can't understand it's, the entire world around me. It's really sad. Honestly, it is really sad. It's, it's like a slight variation on what we usually expect from a symbiote story. Not this, right. Um, but it kind of uses some of that same stuff where it's like, if you have a symbiote story where the host is like really desperate, we saw a little mm-hmm. bit of that in, uh, I know spectacular had it with Eddie. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, but it's, but it's here and it's, 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 it's actually a lot more dramatic here. Like the stark mm-hmm. difference between who Norman was before and who he is with green goblin having like an active role. Um, it's, it's even more pronounced here, which makes it yeah. even more disturbing, honestly. It does. And shout out to Neil Ross, too, because his two voice. I mean, he's he has to talk to he talk to himself a lot in this episode. Uh-huh. It's two very distinct voices. And I think he fucking kills it in this episode, especially. Yeah. 
kills it and Mary Jane. <laughs> so as God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So as Goblin like reemerges or whatever, takes the wheel, if you will, uh, to chastise Norman for being such a weakling, uh, Spider-Man takes the opportunity to get the jump on Green Goblin. His attack does knock the accelerator off of uh, Green Goblin and the two of them off of the bridge. <laughs> it's that powerful of a kick. <laughs> and this ultimately <laughs> results in a moment where Spider-Man has to save Green Goblin from falling off the bridge. Norman, like Goblin's like hanging from one of the suspension things, wires, whatever they're called. And Peter pulls him up, basically. Of yeah. course, Goblin doesn't give a shit. He's like, hey, thanks. Uh, here's a pumpkin bomb. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what you'd expect, but it's it's what you'd expect from both of them. Peter's not going to let him fall, and Norman, like yeah. Green Goblin's, not going to just be like, "Thanks." <laughs> I it's so fun because I, I there's a point when like Goblin is like crawling up the 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 wires. Like this is like there's like some good chaos in in the sequence where mm-hmm. they, everybody keeps falling and catching yeah. each other and climbing back up and falling again. Um, there's a point when like Goblin, like a few pumpkin bombs fall out of his purse onto the bridge below and explode. And he's just like, no matter. And it's like, you just fucking just exploded a shit ton of the bridge just now for by accident. He doesn't care. Doesn't give a shit. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, what does he get? Why would he care? Yeah, I mean, it's in character. It's just kind of hilarious. Yeah. No matter. Whatever. <laughs> Who needed that? <laughs> well, just as all this is happening, unsurprisingly, honestly, shit's exploding and, and chaos is raining. Uh, Mary Jane begins to wake up. Yes. She Uh-oh. was at the top of the bridge, but like he dropped her off and then they started fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, she's still kind of confused and affected by the pumpkin bomb gas and is not fully awake yet, but just stumbling on the top of a bridge, which is terrifying. Oh, um, my God. I hate it. I hate it because she kind of stumbles off the side of the bridge. Like she literally just there's like it's there's a couple of moments. She starts to wake up. She sort of like falls over onto the onto the side, but she's still there. But then she like stumbles Ugh. again, <laughs> falls completely off the Ugh. side. And it's like, oh my God. Um, but it's fun. It's actually kind of played as like a fun little anti-climax yeah. because you just see her fall off the side and there's no cut. Then you just see Spider-Man just come back up from above with her in his arms. Yeah. And it's like fine. It's a little um, fake out. Yeah, and it's sort of like, okay, so they're they're playing with the Gwen Stacy stuff, but it's Mary Jane. She doesn't die. Gwen Stacy dies. Gwen Stacy isn't in this show, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> However, Goblin is still determined to fuck their shit up, obviously. So he's like, okay, I see the two people up there. I'm going to toss a pumpkin bomb at the top of the bridge. Um, Firmly established, so, he gives no shits about blowing this bridge up. Fully does, Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, and Mary Jane does like fully wake up and she's like, oh, Peter. Oh, I, I thought I heard Peter. It's actually you, Spider-Man. And everything seems OK for like a split second. Um, and I think it's like a really it's a really well edited sequence because it's sort of like the two of them together. And then she fades out of the background because suddenly it's Peter's spider sense overtaking everything. And that's when you cut to the fucking pumpkin bomb showing up, exploding the bridge. The top of the bridge begins to crumble between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So the two of them are separated. Um, um, as the bridge is sort of falling apart, the accelerator is also there. Be- and as everything's crumbling, it also falls, activates midair, just as just as Mary Jane is falling off of this crumbling bridge. So a portal has been created by this falling time dilation accelerator. Mary Jane falls into the portal, which then promptly closes just as Spider-Man sees her falling off, webs immediately down to catch her, but she's already fallen through a portal. Mm -hmm. So the webs just go into the water. So as far as he knows, she just fell into the water. Cool. 
So he jumps into the water, dives down to search for her, and she's nowhere. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think this <sighs> is, I think, I mean, obviously death sucks. Uh, yeah. But like, I think this is actually kind of more fucked up in a sense. I was thinking the same because thing. Because he doesn't know what time. happened to her. She yeah. just disappeared. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he never saw, like, he didn't see the accelerator anywhere. No. He has no reason to believe that it was at all involved. He he fully just, like, dives into the water and is down there for a yeah. long time based on the way this episode is paced, right? They yes. cut to him twice down there. Um, and it's just, I think that's, I think that's. Yeah. There's no finality to it. He doesn't know what happened. There's no closure to that. And that's fucked. Yeah. I have that exact thing written down that he doesn't even have fucking closure. He doesn't know what happened. And it's horrifying. Like, that's the thing. Terrible. That's such a common like thing that people have said is sort of like, I, I would rather like, I would rather know what happened to my family member or friend or loved one and know that they died Mm -hmm. than to never know what happened to them. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening here. And, you know, I guess there's some hope that he could put the pieces together, but like at the very least in this moment, he has absolutely no reason to believe that that's what happened. Cause why would he? Yeah. I don't know why. Like even, even though the, the portals have been a thing, right. It's a mm-hmm. thing we would maybe assume, and it's easy for us to assume it because we saw it happen. I really mm-hmm. don't think there's much of a reason for him to think that's what happened. And any other time someone goes through a portal it's such a freak and, comes accident. Out of a, and someone comes out of a portal on the other end, and in this case, she never does. Right. So, like, it's just a portal to nowhere, which is, again, horrifying, terrifying, kind of a fate worse than death, to be honest. Uh-huh. So... Hmm, maybe they do, maybe they made this worse than Gwen Stacy dying. I don't know. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Green Goblin unfortunately does find the accelerator and retrieves it. So when Spider Man doesn't find Mary Jane under the water and is like freaking the ever loving fuck out, good ass voice acting on uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes' part. He's so whole, intense, dude. Dude, but it's He's like so intense. <laughs> he is. It's appropriate, but it's all it's it's he so rarely gets that intense that it's always notable. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, so few voice actors on Saturday morning cartoons especially are really allowed to go as intense as they do. And like, he's a guy who goes for it. Like, he's a dude who is full on screaming, screaming (laughs) in the booth, guttural screaming in the booth. Um, And I think that it kind of sells this a lot because it's like, yes. Mary Jane fell into a portal and like, if you're not thinking into it as deeply as we are, it's kind of silly and dopey, but it's like, he is playing it as if he died because as far as he knows, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and they kind of play that up. I think there's lines that he has where it's sort of like Mary Jane is gone forever and I can't change that. Like that's, that is what's in his head right now is that she died. And I think that that's sort of kind of the genius of when you sort of do stuff like this. It's like, if you can't kill someone, you can still symbolically kill them and have the character believe that and treat it as if they died. And I think that's sort of an interesting way that they did around it to keep it as close to the comics as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what makes all of this really intense is that he's like vowing to make Goblin pay for killing her. And yeah, this whole rest of the sequence is very intense. Yeah. So they have like this really brief airborne fight. Spider-Man screaming at him that you'll pay. Uh, Goblin attempts to use the accelerator to escape, but of course it malfunctions. Uh, Cause I think that there was like a, then it like it it landed on the ground and Goblin like tries to fix it and it's actually kind of 
kind of silly because not silly in a bat. Like, I think it's kind of fun that like you have Goblin over here trying to like fix his little machine with his fingers, like tinkering with it as Spider-Man is like screaming bloody murder at him, like <laughs> that he's going to murder him. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a bizarre image because it's such an interesting flip between the two. Well, there's like um, an intensity to it where, you know, like that Green Goblin's got this guy screaming about how he's basically going to kill him and his his simplest way out is like to portal away but the thing mm-hmm. that would allow him to do that is like busted so it's like this yeah. weird sort of moment of panic and and i think it kind of works in that regard right yeah but well, it and is also, a fun like, juxtaposition <laughs> it's a fun juxtaposition i think it's 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 just sort of it's so it's so unlike the two of them's dynamic and i think mm-hmm. because goblin like doesn't give a shit which normally makes him more chaotic but in this case he doesn't give a shit about the man who's screaming at him that he's going to murder him right behind him as he charges at him it's just like i just want to fix my little machine <laughs> so it's malfunctioning, which means when he tries to use the accelerator now, it's it's like a fucked up portal that's like kind of inverted. They have a cool sound effect where you like hear it invert itself. And now it's basically become a black hole, kind of like what it was at the end of the spot, right? Where it's like yes. sucking a lot of stuff in. And Spider-Man like shows up and Goblin's like, oh, God, I'm being going to be sucked in. Help me. And Spider-Man's like. I can stick to the ground. What can you do? Which is like really <laughs> badass, honestly. Yeah. Um, but this this is all this is all set up really well, I think, because uh, Goblin's like hanging. You have to be sucked into this interdimensional portal. The Goblin mask is sucked off of him, so you see Norman's face, yeah. and Norm the Norman personality is back, and he's pleading for help, which I think makes the dynamic even more interesting because now you have this like seemingly helpless guy. And, like, this angry man who's charging at him wanting to murder him, um, which is just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it's such an in- in- intense sort of flip between their with the dynamics that you normally have on shows like this. Yeah. That, like, it just, I don't know, it's, it's good. It just stands out really well. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a brief sort of, I don't even want to say role reversal necessarily, but I guess it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the complication there is the mask coming off and, and what that mm-hmm. eventually means for Peter and like his disposition. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, the, up the, the thing with seeing Norman's face because it doesn't have the mask that kind of forces Peter to confront the fact that this isn't just some monster. It is still Norman Osborn who is like suffering from this like kind of illness essentially right mm-hmm. like the green goblin is not his fault so he's like no revenge is never justified letting him die isn't going to bring mary jane back so this is norman osborne i can't let him die so i've got to help him he goes to try to help him but then the goblin takes over again really good transition as he like just starts laughing and then the green goblin voice takes over because neil ross is a great voice actor um so then he tries to knock spider-man into the portal by remotely controlling his glider Mm -hmm. again right out of the comics and just like right out of the Mm -hmm. comics spider-man spider sense alerts him to the danger flips out of the way and the glider knocks goblin into the portal instead symbolically impaling him and killing him essentially yep fucking gliders man those remote control gliders i tell you what so shit that happened it sure did (laughs) like damn that's a lot it this episode is very good in how intense it is you know and what's what's interesting about it is it's relatively simple you know what i mean like it's not overcomplicated. it is very straightforwardly like this is what goblin is setting out to do certain plans change and he adjusts and he 
moves forward with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, there, there's few players, like few major players involved. Um, like it's just straightforwardly what it is. It's like Spider-Man, Green Goblin, Mary Jane. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing that I really love about this episode. I think that's one of the things that makes it so one of my favorites, I think, is that it's a, an extremely tightly written episode in that regard, right? And it's like it's so cl- very clear, point A, point B, point C. Um, very focused. The, the, very focused. The thread makes sense. There's no weird subplots. It is just a story about these characters going from one place to another place and the tragedy that, that occurs throughout mm-hmm. that. And I think it, it still does that while still – tying in all of these threads that they've had throughout the season, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of the soap opera stuff and Peter's romantic relationship and the time dilation accelerator portal stuff and the goblin stuff, all of these things have popped up throughout the show and still kind of coalesce. um, But it all just feels so naturally organically tied together. And that's just like it, it is just really good writing to pull that off. And the show really rarely does that. I think the show very often kind of, especially when it's trying to serialize stuff, I think maybe bites off a little more it can chew Mm -hmm. and ends up sort of ends up being a little bit more chaotic, which we comment on a lot. And this episode is the opposite of that. It's a very, very clean, very tight Mm -hmm. episode that still like feels very full of emotion and intensity and drama for sure. Well, cause there's, I mean, I think the fact that it's so focused allows it those moments to hit, right? There's nothing distracting from those big moments because it is so, like keenly focused on what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. Love yeah. it. And, and I think it all kind of comes together because it's sort of like sets this, it sets up Peter making a decision that ends up oh coming boy. back to bite him at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Right. So the portal closes Norman Osborn and Mary Jane are both fucking gone and dead. or dead. They are dead. They're dead. That's how it's all played. Right. Like we don't, as far as we know in dead this moment hell. too, they have, they have gone to hell and they're dead. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dead as hell, not in hell. <laughs> we don't know where that portal sent them. Might have been an international sure, portal sure. now. Um, they're dead. And so Spider-Man is like left without any kind of reprieve. He doesn't know what to do. So he cries out to Madam Web in a way he has never, he has never done oh, this before. Oh, yeah. He's never done this before. But he knows that she's always listening, right? Um, so she she brings him to her dimension, and he is begging for her to bring them back again. You we've never seen him do this. Asshole. Yeah, we have never. <laughs> is what she's we thinking, have, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Well, that's the thing. I, that's what I really love about this. It's sort of like it really pays off what we've seen with all the Madam Web stuff because everything with Madam Web has been she swoops in, and yeah, she's kind of impeding on his life, but she's only ever given him like good, valuable information that he then uses he, in later episodes. Right. And so he's clearly learned from her, but, but he is so stubborn and like, just does not like her energy Mm -hmm. and she annoys him. And he lets this sort of like petty bullshit and the sort of desire to just like, you know, shed this responsibility, which is a big Spider-Man thing, right? What? The moment, you know, this moment that he decides to be like, this big battle you're preparing me for isn't my responsibility. His lesson is like, Hey, fuck you. You can't just, uh, shed your responsibility, man. You're Mm Spider-Man. So, He's done all that, and now it sort of coalesces in this moment where it's sort of like, shit, fuck, Madam Web actually is really important and kind of my only chance. Use your time and space stuff to bring them back, please, for the love of God, bring them back. I don't know what to do. And she's like, I can't. You told me that you didn't, you wanted to end our relationship. You chose this path to do things on your own without my intervention, and I have to, I have to live by that too. This is the choice that you made. 
there, I told you there was no turning back. This is your turning point. And, uh, and you've reached it, right? <laughs> Spider-Man is fucking pissed. <laughs> I love, I love this moment too. This is one of those moments that's always stuck out in my head too. Cause he rips off his mask and starts like screaming at her, lashing out. Like I'm tired of you and your riddles and your supreme arrogance. And she demands that you never ever enter my life again. Do you hear me? And she's like, okay, but uh, you're still the chosen one, so I'll be back. <laughs> I'll return for the series finale of the show. Don't you worry. Yeah. You haven't <laughs> seen the last of me yet. <laughs> yeah. But goddamn, man, this shit's really good. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if every uh, person who had the ability to manipulate time and space were so responsible uh, when Peter Parker asked them to fix his mistakes. <laughs> Wow. Imagine yeah, that. Great timing. Great timing on that, huh? <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> the episode ends uh, with Peter reflect. Actually, really like quick, abrupt, but not like in a bad way, ending to this episode. Uh, not yeah. like in a rushed way, just like a very, very clear period on this. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode ends with Peter reflecting on everything that he's lost as a result of being Spider-Man, which is something we've seen him grappling with all season long is this idea of, should I continue to be Spider-Man? It's really causing problems. Um, and then we see Mary Jane tumbling through limbo, crying out for help. And then season's over. Yikes. Oof. Yikes. 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 All right. I've still got stuff to say, but real quick faces of the episode. Um, I think it's funny that that is dark and tragic as this episode is. The two faces are just like fun, go lucky faces. So we've got, you got Peter's, Peter's wink and thumbs up before he goes to Harry's terrible birthday party, uh, which is like just a really like anime look. I feel like, uh, those lashes, Peter. Yeah, man. Where'd those come from? Love it. But his thumbs up and wink is matched only by Norman Osborn's wink and finger guns. Which we've seen a Green Goblin and Spectacular Spider-Man do finger guns before. So Green Goblin and finger guns, man. Yeah. Hand in hand. That's firmly established, finger guns. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very like Norman Osborn is like a pop star, like wink and finger point. Like, (laughs) hey. Yeah. I like, I really, I still really like this episode a lot. I think this is an incredibly strong episode of the show. Um, for a number of reasons, like we said, I think, you know, it's very tight. It's extremely beautiful looking. The intensity and dread is there throughout it in a way that like is not very common on this show. Um, I think like the Mary Jane slash Gwen Stacy stuff that we've referenced, I think is still interesting and worth acknowledging and like obviously a problem in media. But I think it's interesting because I think this episode is one of those instances where it's sort of like you can see why it makes sense because it's all set up that throughout it's been set up throughout this entire season that Peter has been working for working towards a good relationship with Mary Jane has a good relationship with Mary Jane. It is like the happiest he's ever been. And it really is because she is in his life. So if you want to have him have to be faced with taking responsibility for a mistake he made, which in this case is telling Madam Webb to fuck off. Basically the best way to have him lose everything and hit rock bottom again is to lose the person that's making him the happiest, which is Mary Jane. So like in terms of like execution of a story makes a lot of sense. And I think it's like, you know, a good example of like doing it well. It's just, 
Yeah. His why is girl I, why does his girlfriend have to die so much? Well, you know? I was going to say like I think <laughs> it's 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 everything you said makes sense. I think the argument is he can lose Mary Jane without her having to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like yeah. yes, taking her away uh from him or having their relationship be fucked up in some way is yeah. the best way for there to be a consequence to his disregard for Madam Webb and her warnings. Yeah. Um, but killing her isn't necessarily the best right. way to yeah. accomplish that. And again, I think granted, it'd be argument. Yeah, and I, I yeah, probably I subscribe to that argument. I agree. No, I agree. I think that, that but that, yeah, that was kind of going to be the counterpoint to everything I just said is that I think in the context of the episode, in terms of like story structure and stuff, I think it works great and it's executed well, but there is something to be said about the fact that you have a prominent female character on a show that doesn't have a ton of female characters who has had character growth and age and, and we've had moments of her having a lot of agency um, who no longer will ever have agency again because she is trapped in limbo, effectively dead. Spoiler alert. The real Mary Jane never shows up again on the story uh, on, the, <gasps> on the series. Right. So like <laughs> she, she's, she is effectively dead. So any, any, any character growth she ever could have had all of the great stuff we saw from her with Hydra man and like getting over her abusive relationship and like finding, you know, you know, figuring out her like issues with men and, and trust issues and like all of her stuff with her dad, all that stuff, dead stop will never happen. will never go any further because she's effectively dead now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a bummer to happen to a character that I think we genuinely liked and was genuinely well flashed, fleshed out. And again, on a show that doesn't have a lot of major female characters that get a lot to do and get a lot of agency, you yeah. know? Um, and that itself is a huge bummer. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. Even if it's, it's one of those things where like they decided to do it and they did it well because they decided to do it. Um, But the question is, is it the thing you needed to do? And I think when that's the question, the answer is like, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I'm not, I'm not trying to bad. Uh, Like doesn't make the story a bad story necessarily or like a poorly executed one or anything like that. It's just, and that, and the writer's, and it's not like the writers were like doing anything intentionally, you know, bad or anything, right? Either mm-hmm. they, it, it, like I said, like while this conversation is was definitely being had in some circles, it wasn't a thing that I think the writers of this show would have been aware of. Maybe if they had a woman on yeah. staff, it would have been differently. But uh, or I know that they've had some women writers, but like a major, a major female force in the sure. writers' room that was regularly Someone writing for them. Creative decisions. Yeah, maybe it would have been different. But, you know, like I said, I I can't I don't like fault them for doing an iconic Spider-Man story. It's just unfortunate that, as they said, one of the most iconic, memorable Spider-Man stories of all time is the one where his girlfriend dies. So, yep, where his yeah. his popular with the audience uh, girlfriend dies. <laughs> yep. 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 Glad we've largely moved on from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even if even if you riff on it, it's usually not for the girlfriend to die. Yeah, uh, most of the time, there um, people are making efforts to like balance it out, right? Like yeah. to to add more content in the other direction or that subverts it, that will mm-hmm. sort of water down the prevalence or prominence of those stories. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. We're at the end of a season now, um, mm-hmm. and a pretty pretty big season. What do you? What are your sort of? Do you have any any overall thoughts about this whole season of the show? It's a good season of the show. I I, I, I think, think so that too. the fact that it's sort of figuring itself out as far as serialization goes, I think makes it especially interesting. I think I have sort of felt the whole way through that they 
uh, are figuring it out in a positive direction, but haven't fully figured it out, mm-hmm. um, which I think makes it really interesting. Yeah. I think that they included some really cool stories that I certainly wouldn't have expected if I didn't know more about this show as mm-hmm. far as certain characters they introduced and stuff like that. Really interesting to me that like the thing this season ended up being like dimension, like interdimensional portal traveling. <laughs> like that is to this season as Neogenics was to season two, you know? Um, <laughs> so funny. And I know that, you know, eventually we'll get other sort of things uh, for the show along the way, but interesting in that regard. But ultimately a good season. Like it, it, it's good stuff. It is called The Sins of the Fathers. I think they explore that in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned on a previous episode that it's not necessarily specifically that like these are bad dads. It's more just like historic. It's like inherited trauma. It's like like systems built by, um, you know, like predecessors that are screwing people yeah. over in the present. Um, some of it is literally sins of literal fathers. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they explore it in so many different ways, that concept of yeah. sins of fathers, which is not a phrase made for the show or anything. Um, right. The fact that they explore it in so many different ways, I think is compelling. Um, and I, I didn't really prepare anything as far as talking about that, but I think you could write, you could write a whole lot mm-hmm. about this season just based solely on the theme of sins of the fathers. Yeah. I mean, even this episode alone, I think is the take on it isn't so much that Norman Osborn is committing sins, even though, I mean, he is, but I think it's more like everything that he, the thing that's the the impetus for him to do all of the horrible things he does in this episode from his point of view is to protect his son, Harry, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because he's mad, he's mad at Peter Parker for hurting his son, Harry, which it's wild that just like your soap opera romantic relationship thread is what ends up being like the most kind of important piece to the puzzle for the season finale. Um, But that's, that's the case. And that's the case of a dad doing his fatherly duties in the worst possible way, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think the idea of this, this whole season just sort of like, dealing with generational trauma and just sort of like patriarchal structures in general, I think is really fascinating. Um, I think it's, it's just a really, I think it's, it's the strongest season of this show to date and just a really surprisingly strong season of television. I don't think that there was really a truly bad episode of the season, which I could not say of previous seasons. Mm-hmm. I think that there were, I think there were okay episodes to great episodes and that, and, and most of the episodes were, were generally pretty good. Yeah. Um, I agree. Which I, again, I'm, kind I of sh- a feat for this show. Yeah, I totally agree. I shouldn't be surprised that it's such a cohesive season based on the fact that they literally named every episode the same thing like they told you it's an arc you know Mm -hmm. um but i just thought to myself like there's just no way that it's like a 13 episode arc with a cohesive theme but it really is yeah yeah i think the yeah they they did a lot of really cool stuff i really uh i yeah i i knowing a little bit about where the show goes, I think this will probably still end up being my favorite season of the show. Um, although, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have different thoughts by the end of it, that there's a stronger season or something like that. But this is definitely one that I just, I think they pull off a lot of really cool, fascinating stuff. And I think that they really kind of nailed what they were trying to do with it. Um, at least relative to what they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. It's definitely the most successful as far as like the show they're trying to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And definitely feels, it feels the most classic Spider-Man that I honestly think this show has ever felt too. Mm -hmm. I do think the second season, not that we're necessarily comparing all the seasons. I think the second season has like 
some really iconic stuff. Sure. Um, and oh, I think yeah. some of this season maybe doesn't live up to, I mean, this, this episode certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there's, there's definitely maybe a, a bit of a fight between like iconic stuff that people mm-hmm. maybe remember, but as an overall, like, I think the second season also has more of that, like, really bad stuff that people would be surprised to watch, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's like, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting in that regard where like second season has like high highs and low lows. This season has all the okay, like you said, okay to great episodes. Yeah. It's very consistent. Um, it's very, it's very consistent. consistent. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And season one, who's she? I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. There's good stuff in season one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say. Let's transition to the outro now. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a cool fun transition. And I'm like so trying I'm to think gonna... if there's anything left and I, there just isn't. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell y'all to join our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Do that. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash wilding web snappers. Check out our discord too. Uh, it's a great way to chat with us. Well, I'm sure we'll have stuff. We'll, we'll probably be continuing. I'm sure there'll be conversations about the no way home movie as more and more people go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check it out in there and uh, chat with us about that uh, as well as anything else you want to chat about as well. If you want to check us out and see what else we're doing. Otherwise, where can we find you, Doug? Find me on Twitter at Icky Bully. I C K Y B O O L E Y. If you like Pokemon stuff, you can listen to me on a Pokemon podcast here on the four radio network called victory road. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on another podcast called novel gaming, uh, which I do with my friends, Katie and Vicky. How about you, Derek? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay show Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. If you want to get more from both Doug and I, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Inside Out is out now wherever you get your podcasts. You can find those episodes of Falling With Style and all of our episodes of Evolving Web Snappers on our website. In addition to any of our episode images and faces faces of the episode, lots of goodies on wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And if you could... Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription on all your podcast platforms. Makes it real easy for people to follow us or find us if they're interested in what we're doing. I'm sure if you like what we're doing, other people will like what we're doing too. Next week, come and celebrate the new year with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're a patron, you've already heard this one. But if you're not, check out our special episode on Spider-Man No Way Home. It's been out long enough. Y'all have all seen it, right? Full spoiler discussion. We have a great conversation about everything in that movie. That will be available for everyone in the main feed next week. And it's hefty. Don't miss it. Oh, very hefty. Don't miss it. Happy New Year, everybody. Here's to a hopefully much better 2022. Oh, don't say that. (laughs) Here's Here's to tempered expectations for the next year. All right. Well, well isn't uh, isn't uh, across the Spider Verse twenty twenty two? Yeah. All right. Good great. thing to look forward Happy to, man. Across to uh, across the Spider Verse here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.